Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. Okay, here we are again. New day, new podcast. Your Valuable Home Podcast. And Kev, what do we got today for a replay? We're going to Nashville today. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, we're going to take a little memory lane down in Nashville. Uh, we have Mark coming on. He was on the show prior. And uh, now that I'm talking about the new podcast, he's going to go and talk about his new bathroom. Okay. He's going to be leading us into his horror story because he found a, a major issues with it. Oh, it's so, his horror story today? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a nightmare to a great job. So everything's all done. So we've got that coming up. So it's going to be the same person doing the horror story. I know we got a great college. We got a great college coming up with, I guess, an old buddy of yours, Alan Hubble. He's from DuPont. And we're going to be talking about the Tyvek family of products, which probably should find their way in the mix of any home redo or new home. You haven't been with them. Yeah. Dealing with time Interesting for a long stuff. Time. Yeah. So let's get into the replay. Mark, thanks for coming on again to the new Your Valuable Home podcast. How about that one? We, we did talk about some of the things that you did, but the bathroom, I know you said you wanted to do something different, something that never been done before that you did. And I, I tell you, the pictures you sent over look phenomenal. My wife and I moved into this house. This is a new house since the last time I was on your show. It was built in 1971. It showed. You know, we had a list of stuff we wanted to do, and one of the things we thought was the bathroom definitely needed to be remodeled, but as we walked down our hallway, you could feel the floor move a little bit. So that kind of kind of got us thinking, okay, well, this might be a bigger project than we originally thought. No, that's normal. Yeah, so, okay. That's a tip. Is it a wet bed? Tip off to something, uh, oh, yeah. something bad coming down the line, right? Yeah, it was definitely a wet bed. They basically, my house built in 71, I guess people were a lot smaller and there were fewer of them, but the house has two by eight floor joists. That span 12 feet. Oh, okay. A little bounce, like bounce you. you know, I can see yep. That. When you say, hey, code is 16 inches on center, these were, that was merely a suggestion in this house. <laughs> some were 12, some were 22. Just kind of depended, I guess, on the guy that was putting them down and how he felt. But I can tell you that they used about 600 nails in each one. So it was definitely not moving from its spot. But um, we ended up doing a de- demolition. As we took the bathroom down, we found a lot of rot, which in turn forced us to drop the bedroom wall. Half of the hallway walls, uh, the master closet, all had to come down because there were nine floor joists that were rotted. How many beer cans yeah. did you find inside the uh, walls there? Because I'm sure that had to be a no, big factor. Definitely, definitely no beer cans, but a lot of really, really, really bad pictures. So three of the nine floor joists, I was able to pull out by hand. I was able to just break them as I pulled them out. You are about ready to go through that, right? You could have just Yeah, and that was directly under the wet bed shower. So that that's... That was the scary part. So we, um, you know, the pictures kind of detailed a little bit more, and I'm, I'm not sure if you'll be able to show them during the podcast or not. But, yeah, no, we're gonna, um, they're going to be on the social media as as we go along, so it gives you a little bit better understanding of uh, what we're talking about. So it makes it a lot easier gotcha. that uh, what we're doing. But with that ceiling, I, I want to go right into that ceiling that you did. You did some type <laughs> of tray ceiling. That was pretty nice that you did there. 
Yeah, so what happened was since we dropped all those walls, obviously the, the hallway wall went back where it was. Um, but my wife had the idea, let's make the bathroom bigger, and which in turn got rid of our master closet. So Uh-oh. with taking all them, yeah, with taking all them walls down, we had a lot of what would have needed to be crazy patchwork on the ceiling for the drywall. So instead of doing that, my wife and I have been, we're going to, slowly go through the whole the whole house and remodel so we're kind of keeping the themes and keeping the processes in some way similar and cohesive throughout the whole house so in the hall bathroom we did horizontal wainscoting 48 inches in the master bath we decided we would take the same six inch shiplap and we would do a ceiling treatment to basically give us one a nicer ceiling two be able to reinforce the drywall that's up there and not have to do any crazy patchwork and hope hope to god we get it smooth my wife had a few ideas. I basically took those ideas and tweaked them a little bit to make it a little more structurally sound and a little more detail as opposed to just shiplap on the ceiling. So I basically framed the room into a basically like a figure eight shape with half inch plywood. And then over top of that plywood, I did a three quarter inch pine in the same shape. Then we did the shiplap on the ceiling inside both faces. And then we did a belection molding to tie the two together. Yeah, it came out fantastic. The the problem I had is people in Tennessee don't know what election molding is to the point where I had to get it from my buddy who's a cabinet maker in Pennsylvania. So he actually milled it all and shipped it to me. <laughs> you could say it's a it's an imported uh, trim from PA. So. <laughs> well, you know the, the beauty of it is you covered it up though. I mean, I, I see. I like the beauty of that natural woodwork, but I understand being in the bathroom, you definitely need a little bit more protection with the the, the paint that you used. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the other thing, too. We, we got to use a nice, durable, semi-gloss, you know, same as our trim for the ceilings. And, and you know, with the, with the steam and everything, it's perfect. Your exhaust fan that you put in, I'm sure you put in a, a decent exhaust fan to get the moisture out? Yeah. We have a window as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark and I talk every time we talk about it. He's like, yeah, it's, you know, January down here. It's maybe 65 degrees. And yep. what Mark had said, it's 21 degrees here in January. And we always talk. Is it that warm down there in January? It can be, yeah. yeah Our okay. winter is the last week of January, first two weeks of February. If you're talking about the cold, that's it. I didn't. I, I yeah. was never aware of that. Okay. And Ron, in, in fact, ninety percent of the homes in, in Tennessee, especially the mid '70s through early 2000s, they don't even have coat closets in the entry. No need for coats. Yeah, you just stay I mean, indoors. I mean, there for those are, but weeks. most people, exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's weird. And being a transplant from Pennsylvania, it's. it's it's an eye-opening experience. Well, you said when you, you, you got rid of the master closet. I mean, I'm still trying to think of that because if I said that to my wife building my addition, uh, that wouldn't fly. That No, no, that that's strictly taboo that I if I take a master closet out. I remember when I did my house when I was putting the uh, the last house I had, we were putting the addition on, and uh, she said, I really want this closet. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I, I can maybe you know, use a little bit of the closet. No, the, the, I got yeah. nothing. It was And it was a nice size closet. The problem is when you build as a builder, you build a big closet for your wife. She will then fill it up. That was the worst part. And your and your part of the closet too. And my part of the closet. I had to take the other alcove was in our old house. I had to put a new closet in for me, which just a little like a three foot closet. But it was more than enough for me. But I just asked for a little bit of space. Nope, it's all hers. Nope. <laughs> and she didn't yeah, have the right now. We together. have no master closet. So my my clothes, what you know, what little I hang, they're in the in the one bedroom closet. She has the 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 other half of that closet and the closet in our third bedroom for now. So big plans coming forward. We have to finish reinforcing the floor in the rest of the house. So we're going to drop the wall between our back two bedrooms, and that will become our new master suite. So I'll end up building a large master closet. We'll make bedroom number one larger, and then combine the other two bedrooms for the master. 
So that's the next project. And then after that, we'll end up turning what is now our great room, uh, which isn't that big, into our third bedroom with a walk-in closet and a mudroom. Fourth project will be dropping all the walls to the original house. Because, Like I said, the house was built in 71, so it's very compartmentalized. I have a formal living room, which we don't use. I have a formal dining room, which we don't use. I have a family room, which I have a, a resin table set up. That's where I do my work now since I work from home because of the pandemic. Um, that's the only thing in it. So everything we, we live, we live in the kitchen and we live in the great room. So yeah. that's what's going to end up happening. For the most rest people, of the I think, would do the same thing. Most people yeah. do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we originally were, were thinking about adding, and Kevin, I remember speaking to you about this. We originally thought about taking the window out in our existing master bedroom and building a 10 by 16 addition on the back of the house. So that window would become a doorway. And then that would be the doorway into what would be our master closet. And we weren't going to touch anything else. Um, and then when all this happened with the floor and the rot and all that, we said, you know what, screw it. And we spoke to a good friend of ours who is also our realtor here. And she's like, you know, you're, you're better off just making better use of the existing square foot. Because right now, we're literally living in a third of the house because the other rooms are so tiny, they're not usable. But together, they'll make one really nice common space. Mm -hmm. so that's what we decided to do. It's a lot more affordable to do it that way when you stay inside the envelope also. Because once you put the addition on, you've got permits, architect fees, uh, you can get the variances, the foundation. It, the whole exterior is going to have to be redone if you want the house to look normal. Yeah, sure. Uh, doing it to, exactly. to try and tie in. And we, the quote we got was like, 37k for 10 foot by 16 foot and that was unfinished inside i was going to take care of it. Hmm. hmm so you just saved yeah. 37 grand exactly did you put that towards that new motorcycle <laughs> yeah. I, I, hey i'm working on that i'm working on that <laughs> i won't you know what well, we won't say anything further about it so we can surprise her <laughs> that's right no it'll be a surprise all right my butt will be on the curb <laughs> I'm going to be here knocking on my door. Mark. Hey, what are you doing up here? Well, I bought another bike. Again, why are you doing it? Well, she kicked she me out. Me out. <laughs> you oh, got it. boy. Uh, so, well, here, the bathroom, it, what, some of the pictures that you did with the flooring, uh, with mm -hmm. the shower, talk about how you, you tied everything and married all the flooring together. Okay. So what we did was we, we ended up, I, I, I obviously couldn't change from a two by eight to a two by 10 or a two by 12, which we needed. So what I ended up doing was I sistered all the joists that were, were there, in addition to, I even sistered the new ones I had to replace. So everything is double two by eight now. And then in between the two, um, in between all of it, I bridged everything. So now it's all locked together as one floor. New three-quarter inch gorilla board went down, tongue and groove, glued, screwed the whole nine. So that's all tied back together. So right now, if you look at my hallway side, you'll see bumps where it doesn't match up to the existing floors because in addition to the two by eight, they used half inch plywood as the subfloor. And then at some point, a contractor probably came into this neighborhood and cleaned house because they have three quarter inch press board on top of everything. So all that's getting ripped out as well. But I did try a new product for the shower, enclosure, and pan, and it's called Weedy. Yep. Yeah, the Weedy and system. What is it? The yeah, and I, you know, I've always... Yeah, it's W-E-D-I, Ron. And, you know, it was the tile store sold it. It's expensive. I'm like, eh. And the guy assured me, he's like, man, he's like, I don't even tile. And I'm telling you, this stuff, we've been trained on it. It's really easy. I'm like, all right, what the hell, I'll do it. Because the Schluter stuff has always worked really well, but it's like 47 sets. 
but this this came in really good. They you had to cut the new drain pipe a quarter of an inch above the uh, the floor, and then the pan came pre-shaped. The curbing came pre-shaped. Everything gets cut on the curbing. I cut on my miter saw, and then all the board. And if you had to do anything to the pan, which I didn't, but um, you cut it with a razor knife. Yeah, that's the the big problem and, is that for the standard showers, it gets to be easy. But when you have those really funky designs, that gets to be a little bit more difficult. Building that shape and then getting that weedy board cut and then redoing the uh, a trap that if it's there, your existing drain, uh, if it's not there, uh, it, it gets to be a little bit more cumbersome to make sure you're going to fit everything exactly. there. And then you got your joist but, issue, which is another situation right. with that. And because I had everything torn out, torn out, it was it was very easy for me. Correct. You know, with no with no floors, we were able to move the drain where we needed it, so on and so forth. So it was actually it actually worked out really well. But I had everything um, mocked up and in place in less than an hour, hmm. and then you know it took about two hours to, uh, you know, you still you still thin set the, the pan down, the weedy pan down, and the curbing down, um, and then the. Um, the board gets screwed with special fasteners and, and retention. I call them washers. They have another name. Um, and then they have this um, waterproof. They don't call it caulk, but it's basically caulk. It's really thick, and you have to you have to put it on to where you have one inch of this caulk on either side of the seam, and the the little retention rings are about an inch and a quarter. So you need it to be three and three quarters of an inch your spot to go over top of it. That stuff hardens in an hour, and you can tile right after. It's pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I mean, I didn't. I still waited my day and all that, you know, just to be on the safe side. And, where do you, you know, get the, because where I'm where the, you get the weedy system? Where do you uh, get there's it? a couple of places around the have weedy. When it first came out, I I, I was introduced to it. it sounds I, pretty simple. It does. It does. It, it's just it's a little bit more simple. difficult if you're. I, I do some really off the wall showers and stuff I build, and I'm still old fashioned. Uh, call me old fashioned. I still like the panning. I pre pitched the panning. Like uh, last week's show we talked about with Mark, uh, we put the panning in, but I pre pitched the floors, tie everything together. But e- either way, it's it's comfort, comfort level of the contractor if they want to be able to use it. But they're all great products. They're, if you do it right, yeah. do it right. That's the, the weedy case. system. Weedy um, system. Yeah, just make sure because did you have? Well, here's yeah. one question I always have: when you tie your sidewalls into the panning, that dado cut, uh-huh. you've got to make sure that that sealant you glue those together are perfect because if there is a mistake, that could be a major problem because if there if it is leaking because of an error, human error of not putting that sealant down between the curb and then the walls. You've got to rip yep. everything out to redo it. Yep. So as long as you get a qualified contractor to do it, it's going to be easy enough to do it. So, but yeah. um, and we're going to take a little break here. We, I'm going to jump into the horror story, all the problems that you have, and we're going to let people know what uh, they could possibly find when they start doing all this. All right, Ron, we're back talking with Mark about. We had a horror story. Yeah, you know, a horror story. <laughs> I sent you the pictures. You saw how bad yeah, it was. Yeah. So why don't you just walk through, Mark, step by step about the. the Beside the bounce of the floor, the problems, the rot, how much effort you had to put into this, get it back to normal? I'm going to say it was probably two full weekends. You know, as you know, with any deconstruction or demolition, you you still have to live there. Fortunately enough, we had a working bathroom, so we didn't have to rush, rush. But it's like peeling an onion. You grab the onion out of the fridge and it looks fantastic. And then, you you know, you start peeling it and start finding more and more. Taking things away. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm a firm believer if it's from A to, to C, I'm going to go from before A to probably D or E in terms of replacement. I'm going to go one extra rafter in each direction just to be on the safe side to make sure that, you know, everything was caught. But you just, you have to be very systematic. You know, you got to have the forethought of, okay, I, I, I know I'm going to find something bad. 
how bad is it? You know, so when I went out, I went out and I bought 15 floor joists. I didn't know if I was going to need one or, or 10, but I bought 15. I bought eight sheets of plywood. I needed five. You know, I just made sure everything was here before we swung the first hammer. Oh, eight sheets of plywood then, today, or what's that, about 18 million, 20 million? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got plywood. off easy. I got off easy. <laughs> but it, it's, it's funny because, you know, when we, when we started pulling it back, and now the other thing, too, Kevin, and I don't know how familiar everybody is, but the older the houses, they're not built like the new ones. Technology isn't there. So you can't just swing a hammer and bust up that, that poured floor, that floated floor. You don't want to break joists and end up in the basement or the crawl space in my case. So we had to, we had to very easily, you know, pry and pull and, um, and luckily it worked out with us with dropping the, the, um, the wall in the hallway. We were able to get the old tile because the tile in my shower was the old wire mesh and floated uh, concrete on the wall. Well, that must have been fun ripping out. It. Yeah, it was bad. But luckily, we were able to get it from the backside. So we were able to hit it with a sledgehammer into the shower. So that helped. Still wasn't easy. Um, but again, you just you just you peel an onion. You just have to start at the top and just keep pulling stuff out until the damage stops. And like I said, I go a little bit further just to make sure. And then then it's just a matter of going backwards and putting it all back together. I can't tell you how many you know, times I've seen contractors do that. They don't go that extra step, and then they have mm -hmm. problems, and they got to come back and refix what they didn't do because the people have problems right. again. But yeah, you and said it right. And it's usually crappy fix because now it's not opened like it was when they should have did it the first time. Yeah, it's a Band-Aid. Yeah. And you exactly. did all this, you're exactly. doing all this work yourself? Yeah, Ron. I, the only thing I subbed out um, just because of the warranty was um, the plumbing. Um, I did the, I did the finish, you know, they roughed in all the plumbing for me and then I, I put my valves on, but you okay. know, we have a, we have a plumbing company in the area. Um, anything they touch, you get a 10 year warning. Hmm. Okay, so, that's pretty good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's a little more expensive, but it's definitely, it's probably double what I would have paid if I did it myself, but I don't have to worry about it. I, I, I hear something. I don't like something. I just call them. They come out and they check. Nope. You're good. Free. And they, okay. they've been in business a long time. Oh God, yeah, yeah. They're one of the big, you know, they're they're one of the big guys. When you find these the the contractors have been around for a while, there's going to be a reason why they've been around yeah. a while, and that's why I always tell people, yeah, they're honest. They do a good job. They don't get a lot of callbacks. Yep, and they, you know, these guys do do all of it. They, I don't use them for electric or HVAC, but they do electric, they do HVAC, they do all that. So um, the the cabinets, um, actually, the cabinets came out of Pennsylvania as well. Unfortunately, that's what made the bathroom take as long as it did because. You guys were shut down for so long. Um, the company is Schuler is the cabinet company. I think they have 11 or 12 plants throughout the country. And the one plant that made the cabinets my wife fell in love with was in Pennsylvania. So we literally had everything done and we couldn't finish the bathroom. They're from Pennsylvania? The cabinets are, yeah. Yeah, Schuler. Uh, sounds like it could be a Schuller, PA, PA Dutch company. That's a Dutch company. I'm not sure. Cabinets are beautiful. They finally came in and, you know, couldn't use the shower because we needed to do um, a granite sill for under the glass. And they weren't going to come out twice because it's the same granite that's on the vanity. So we, we literally couldn't do anything until <laughs> the cabinets came. Yeah, it gets so, to be a little bit difficult with uh, with some of the things. I mean, today, as a contractor, for me, it it does get to be 
more difficult because of the product not to be able to come in. So with me, I have to, exactly. instead of thinking about a month ahead, I'm thinking five months ahead. What have I got to do? Because right. this is the change. We have to deal with it. It yep. is what it is until we, everybody gets back to normal. Uh, it just makes it difficult. But the problem we're having is that these contractors are starting new businesses. They don't understand that. And when they're calling yep. the show, we just had uh, issues with jobs that were done where uh, they said they can do it right away. And it took a lot longer than expected. It was just a small repair. It's a week job. Yep. It's 18 weeks and it still wasn't done because today the subcontractors that they're using, they're busy. And if they're busy, right. uh, it doesn't work. You see, the whole industry is, is turned upside down. This, this industry that I'm in is a nightmare because there's so many contractors, but they don't work. And if they don't work, the problem they're having is they're waiting and relying on the subcontractors. So it's just lengthening it out. And people don't ask that question. Who's the one physically doing the work? Now, with me, it's a little bit right. easier because Dave and I are there every day. But uh, it's, we're an anomaly. I have 31 years of being in business. I, I, it's what I call ourselves. We're an anomaly. We're nothing special. It's just that we're the ones doing the work. You very rarely hear right. that. I'd love to, for any of our homeowners uh, to say, hey, listen, you know, the contractor I did hire, the owner's the one that physically did the work because you very rarely hear that. There's only a couple in my area that uh, I know personally that still do that. But most of them are just, it's all salesmen and subs. I mean, don't you want yep. the owner of the business coming out and doing the work instead of subbing it out? Yep. No, I would. I would. I think it makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. For, for me, you know, your subs are, you know, your drywall finishers because that's all they do. So you get a good team of guys that come in and do that. You know what I mean? Like a patch is different, but if you're, you know, you're hanging drywall, you know, that's one, that is one thing. And I apologize, Ron, I said I did it all, but my wife talked me into having a, a local company um, come in and, and float all the drywall that I hung. Yeah. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be lifting that stuff. I mean, it's not worth, you know, wrecking your back for. Yeah. Oh, no, I hung the drywall. The drywall was all up. These, these guys just, oh, they just brought it in. Oh, brought, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so, but I'll tell you what, it was the best money I ever spent because, you know, they did a bunch of jobs in the neighborhood. So I, I knocked on neighbor's doors. Um, I called the ones that I knew um, that used them and, hey, give me, tell me what your thoughts are. Tell me this, tell me that. And not one of them had a bad thing. Um, so anyway, he, the guy came in and he gave me a price. And, you know, I was sticker shock because I always do my own drywall. And, uh, but I talked to a couple other people and they're like, Oh no, that's, that's actually a really good rate. I'm like, okay. So I called the guy back. I said, let's do it. Three days later, I had one little spot. looks like a pop nail. I called him up within the hour. He was out, fixed it. And, uh, I had no issue. What you said is something that people very rarely do. Talk to your neighbors. Everybody just wants to be able to hit that button. Hey, what, let's check the local contractors because somebody's paying for an advertisement and that advertisement says how great they are because mommy said they're great. No, talk and to that's your, what you're talk to your neighbors. See if uh, see if the guy's done uh, or the group has done um, uh, work in that area before. Have they had any problems with the township? Yeah, you know all those things. How about suppliers? Suppliers have a bum wrap on them. You Go know, to the township buildings. Check it all out. Check the check township building. They're the ones going to be able to tell you. That most township buildings are not going to be able to refer somebody because they're dealing with so many contractors. But they will be able to tell you. This is across the country. If they're a bad contractor, don't use them because there's major issues. Because they just want, the townships want their constituents, their residents to be protected. Right. And this is a good way to do it. But people, again, they just want to hit that button. I tell you all the time, they say, well, where'd you get it from? An online referral. Did you check anything further? No, there were great reviews. Yeah. Well, who wrote the reviews? Uh, that, it's, you start asking people like, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I didn't think of that because I was in a time crunch. I didn't have time to take a look at it. I just want to get it done. And that's where people are, they're capitalizing here. They think this industry is, is very easy to do. It took me the first 10 years to really understand the industry. For my 10 to 20 years, 
to try to get it to where I felt comfortable with it. And from 20 years to 31, we're still trying to make it better. And this is after 31 years of being in business. So, so these new companies that are coming in now, how are they perfecting it? And that's why the horror stories are, are ramping up so much now. But I know, uh, I know we're running out of time. We got a great college coming up. We do. What have we got there, Ron. We do. Okay, coming up, we got um, Alan Hubble, who's uh, he's been with uh, Dupont for a long, long time, working on a Tyvek family of products for the last fifteen uh, years or so, and uh, he's going to be talking about everything in the Tyvek family of products that should be in the mix if you were building a house or if you're like renovating it renovating a house. yeah so stay tuned we're gonna have a great featured yep, segment absolutely mark thank you very much for coming on your valuable home podcast and we'll be talking real soon Kev, we got a great college today. We have Alan Hubble, who probably knows the Tyvek line inside and out. He's been doing it so long. When you're building a new home, renovating or tear down, or simply replacing like your home's cladding system, there's one family of products that should be in the mix. What is that? You know what that I've is. Been, yeah. I've been dealing with Tyvek for pretty much all my career. Okay. I love so, the product. So we got Alan with us today. He, Alan is the residential marketing leader for North America for DuPont Performance Building Solutions, which would include more than Tyvek, too. Would it, Alan? Are there other brands in there, too? There are. There are now. Yeah, we merged with the Dow Company, their construction business, a couple of years ago and come out the other side of that merger in the new DuPont, and that would include... Styrofoam, you know, the rigid foam, XPS, yep, blueboard, yep. something called. Yep. As well as some of the spray foam, the great stuff, and the frost pack spray foam. Tyvek was actually introduced in yep. 1967. Alan joined DuPont in 1987. You've so been there that long? How come we haven't met? I've been every home exactly, show for the last right. 31 years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's been about, I've been in the Tyvek business about 15 years now. 15 years, 15 years. And before that, you were down in Florida uh, working with the window and glass industry, right? Did I have that right? Helping develop the Florida hurricane market for DuPont? That's correct. Yeah, after Hurricane Andrew came through in 1992, DuPont put a lot of effort. Uh, they sold some products to help make laminated glass. And so they put a lot of effort, marketing, market development, code development, and basically helped, you know, form that hurricane window market, the impact market. You may have seen with the flying two by fours hitting the glass. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, So that work happened for 15 years after Hurricane Andrew. I was involved in in a lot of that. Did that actually actually start in Florida and then maybe spread to places like California and the Upper East Coast? Is that where all all the work was done? It did. Yeah, it was all Florida. Actually, it was all Dade County. And then, then it got into the those counties down there and then into the Florida building code and then, you know, some of the coastal areas in Texas and up along the Carolinas started to adopt it as well. But it was basically Dade County drove all of that. Hmm. How about that? I never realized that. Well, let's get right into um, home wrap. And Kevin's going to jump in here when we get the windows and uh, and flashing because he is a devotee of, uh, of uh, tie well, for Ryan. windows. Okay. You never called me that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's the purpose of home wrap? Alan. Yeah, so simply, I mean, yeah, home wrap is basically a windbreaker and a raincoat all in one. It's a windbreaker, keeps the wind out of your walls, out of your home, it helps, you know, helps your insulation work better, it helps your sweater work better. And then it's a special kind of raincoat, keeps the water off, but allows water vapor to pass through. So the visual we like to use is um, it keeps the bowling balls of the water out but the small golf balls, the vapor, allowed to pass through. So keeps bowling balls out, but lets golf balls pass through. It's kind of a special material from that standpoint. So 
that, that's how I would, um, you know, that's how I would describe uh, what Tyvek does for the home. It's uh, how is it made? It's not woven, is it? So it's called non-woven. Um, same kind of, you know, you picture like a bunch of spiders laying down a spider web, and that's basically what it is in the manufacturing process. You're laying down this web of very fine filaments, high density polyethylene, so it's you know it's your soda bottle, um, really, really, you know, specially engineered, and then very fine filament in a mat that's moving down, you know, the, the line that's moving down the line, and then it's there's some post processing, and you hit it with heat and temperature and that kind of uh, pressure and temperature. But it's um, it's a very fine non-woven series of filaments, super, you know, super fine. Hmm. I tell you, going back when it was probably the early '90s, I think it was uh, one of the companies Eastern was uh, doing a, a certification class, and I took one of these classes, and they were showing oh, yeah. me how uh, one of the competitors uh, were going up against Tyvek, and they had this clear glass component with two cylinders on top, and these cylinders led to this component. And what they did is they put two pieces of elements, one the competitor and then Tyvek, closed the lids and then they dumped water into these clear cylinders. And the right. only way to get down into the box part of the cylinder was through the material. Right. Well, the one material was leaking where Tyvek wasn't. And at the bottom of this box had a pump. And you could pump it. You could see the vapor or the, the air going right back through it. But I said, let's talk about the breathable because that's one of the most important things. And uh, now what he did is he took a hot cup of coffee, nuked a hot cup of coffee, and then he put a spoon over top of it. And you can actually see the vapors going through it, the breathable aspect of it. And this is yeah. going back 30, that's, almost 30 years now. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we sold Tyvek that way for a long, long time. As the, yeah, the permeability is quite unique. It's quite high. It, it's, so it's not the, um, you know, it's not the impeding factor on the wall, right? It's going to allow vapor to pass through and let the wall dry to the outside. Or if it needs to dry to the inside, it obviously can do that too. How about energy bills, Alan? Uh, would it help you, uh, main, uh, you know, keep the lid on your energy bills? It will, right. So, you know, air air leakage is, is a huge uh, source of energy loss, energy transfer. So, um, you know, it, it keeps the air out, the cold air out or the hot air out, whatever it might be. Um, the other part of that is, you know, air through, in, through fibrous insulation. So think of your, you know, your insulation in your stud cavities. Um, all those measure, all those R values, that, that thermal performance is measured in still air. That's how they get, you know, R, R13 or right. R19. That airspace. That, that airspace has to be still. Once the air starts moving, that starts to drop. And so um, Tyvek helps keep that, those air movements in the cavity down. So let your insulation work better. You know, it's hard to see. It's hard to measure, um, you know, in the field. But for sure, it's keeping the air out of the cavity, which, which besides, you know, keeping air out of the home, it also then lets your insulation work better. So absolutely, we'll reduce uh, energy bills. Can you give us a Tyvek 101 in terms of how it should be applied by a contractor? Sure. Now, I, yeah, yeah, 101. It's, um, you know, we, we have, I would just say, one, we have many install guides on our, on our website. Um, building.dupont.com but basically you know whether you're talking new construction or or retrofit remodel reside um you know you want to get it up there properly so you want to sh- both keeping air out and keeping water out you want to start at the bottom work your way up the wall so it's properly shingled right think of it as a roof the vertical roof so you want water to be able to flow down and not get be you know get behind it the, 
you don't want to um, you don't tuck your your rain pants into your your boots. <laughs> so we want to be properly. Ron sandals. does. He does it all the time. <laughs> that, that's, that's, <laughs> so, Not that I can um, recall. That's first. Exactly. Um, that's first, right? Properly shingled. We want. We'd like to see folks use uh, proper fasteners. So we don't like slop staples. Slop staples. Um, we want to see cap fasteners for holding power. So you keep that um, Tyvek up on the wall. And then, you know, we want to see the seams taped. We would say that you definitely, uh, our guides would say you have to tape the vertical seams uh, to help keep the water out. The horizontal seams are your choice. Um, of course, they're going to be overlapped, say six inches. Um, whether you tape them or not is kind of whether you detail it as an air barrier or a water barrier. But, um, you know, tape the seams um, certainly don't hurt. You have some decisions to make about the bottom of the wall. Do you tape the bottom of the wall or not? Depends on, you know, whether you put a preference to water or air hold out. Some folks skip tape the bottom of the wall. So they, they keep out most of the air, but allow a little bit of the water to, um, to exit as well in case water gets back behind that, that wrap. Nice. So proper shingling, good fasteners, and tape the seams. And the, one of my biggest pet peeves, or Dave's biggest pet peeve, is when he sees Tyvek being installed upside down. Or you're reading you mean with the brand down. on the inside yeah I, I tell people look it does work I, it's just i'm we're anal i'm really anal and if i, I is did there it, a difference no is there, there's no difference no it's just uh we were that particular and i did it once I, know, I, did, I think it was like five or six years ago i was putting it up and i wasn't even looking i'm the one that put it upside down where the topic was upside down <laughs> dave made me rip it all down and i i, I still didn't pick it up because we're so used to doing it that, that way but that's one of my peeves is that i i don't like to uh, have it installed upside down it doesn't for, for for all my listeners it doesn't affect the performance at all but uh with with dave and my guys uh yeah we make sure it's installed correctly but just to add to that i yeah. when i talk to homeowners when i tell them when you install say like a vinyl siding vinyl siding leaks air and water it it's not meant to sh it's not meant to have that water completely shed away uh, it does do a good point but or you saw stucco, the moisture or stucco right? yeah or stucco yeah. and if air and water can get under there the underlayment is the most improper thing that you've got to install install correctly. Like, yeah, Alan, you said the, the proper way of installing from the bottom. I, I love taping everything off because I want that complete seal. And then when people say, yeah. well, listen, I'm making such an airtight seal. Is my house going to breathe? And I said, that's the nice thing about Tyvek. It allows that moisture to pass back out through there. So your house can breathe. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with me on that? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You got it. You, you, that training is stuck, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has. I, I even take great. it one step further because I, when I tell, when we're, go, we're trying to sell a siding job, and I say to our homeowners, hey, listen, you know, one of the most important parts is at the bottom where that siding stops and where the, the foundation and or stucco is. Because if they don't properly seal that, that's your band joist. Air flows right up into there. And we talk about the wind chill factor. It's going to come right up into the floor. Yeah, and you can yeah. you feel that difference. People don't like cold air blowing in their house. Mm -hmm. So I actually do it one step further. I do a drip cap. I seal it off. I tape with Tyvek tape. Then I put a J-channel up and I tape that up because the J-channel itself, there is seams at every 12 feet. And at that point, water does drip out because I know that siding is going to leak. And here's another one for you. This was probably right after I got certified uh, when I was talking to one of the guys there. And I, and I said, hey, you've got an issue with certain sidings that when before they never put an underlayment down. Have you ever noticed siding has these little holes at the bottom of them? And people do ask what they are. I say, well, they're drip holes. Yeah, but it was leaking. Or a weave screen. Yeah, it, well, yeah weave it, screen. it takes the moisture out. Mm -hmm. and we haven't had rain in, in 15 days in the summertime, and I noticed that one morning I came out, and water was dripping out. I thought it was a leak. And I said, now it's the moisture that builds up on the backside of that. 
And if you don't have a proper underlayment to protect your plywood that's on that house, you're going to have an issue. It's going to eat at the plywood. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why that led me into using Tyvek because it was the best product in the market. Let me ask you this, Alan. How does Tyvek compare to other brands of house of house wrap in terms of performance? And how does it compare in terms of cost, too, as well? Yeah, so in terms of performance, it's, um, it, you know, there's the premium brands, the premium performance uh, products, and then there's the, uh, you know, the, the cheaper, less expensive. They, they tend to be perforated. And um, so you're going to have a huge price disparity between those two. Um, the perforated are going to be about half the cost of the higher-performing wraps. In the higher-performing wraps, then, you have Tyvek and you have all others. And the reason I mention it like that is because it is a unique material. The other premium-performing wraps um, tend to be a material and then a very thin coating. And that thin coating is what gives you the air and water holdout. Tyvek, you get the air and water holdout through the whole thickness of the membrane. Hmm. Like that, the fibers are laid down. So that's... Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of a unique material in its own category. So you'll get high performance in these other products, but the way they go about it is different. And so those other products are susceptible to scratching on the job site, that very thin layer, which is about like about thick as your, as a human hair. Um, it can be damaged and then which case, you know, air can, can get through it or sorry, water especially can get through it. Um, so that's the difference in the types of wraps, the, you know, the, the lower performing, much lower performing code minimum um, kind of wraps. And then these premium wraps of which Tyvek is in that category. And then it's, I would say it's the premium of those high performance wraps because of the way it goes about its air and water um, holdout, you know, through the full thickness of the membrane. Again, they're about, you know, you can buy one for half the cost of the other, but I would suggest that folks making that decision me, I, I get asked, like, well, why would I pay more for the Tyvek? The question is, what do you want the wrap to do? You want to hold out air, hold out water. The question isn't, why would you pay more for the Tyvek? It's, why would you pay anything for a product that doesn't give you that performance? Absolutely. Yeah. So, right, the, those perforated products, um, you know, they're not air barriers. They do not meet the standard for air barriers, so they cannot make that claim. And then for water performance, they're much, much lower, right? The standard is like 12 centimeters of water column holdout, which is about four or five inches, um, versus Tyvek um, uh, is at a 200, uh, sorry, is at a um, uh, 12 inches, of, uh, Tyvek is at 255 centimeters uh, of water holdout. And so the, the difference in water holdout is just, is huge. And, and I misspoke. I should say that the, the code minimum is 55 centimeters, not 12 centimeters. So the others are 55, uh, the Tyvek is at 255. And um, that, that's the difference that you're getting. Much higher water performance and much, and, and then you get the air performance. Well, that's why you're doing the job at the beginning. I will say this, there's a couple of suppliers where I buy signing from. Now, they know I just deal with high end. And they weren't carrying Tyvek. And I said, well, why aren't you doing it? He said, well, the problem is, is most of the contractors are price shopping. And for our listeners that really don't know this, what you just said, that's the difference is that they don't know about the under the home wrap underneath. And if you don't know about it, how do you know what you're going to get? But just because it's right. cheaper, that's one of the reasons why they did it. He said, we're, we were getting beat up because people were just going to price elsewhere mm-hmm. because it's a cheaper product. And I said, well, listen, if you're going to be putting Nobody this Nobody asks what the product's all about. Right. Yeah, they the just problem. think it's a home wrap, and yeah. that's one of the big differences. Because I know when we talked about uh, a few other products like the Tyvek, uh, the wraps that I use around your windows, like I did at your house, the same thing. There's a reason why I chose that. And by doing it that way, I'll give you an example, Alan, is that uh, I started with back when, when the rubber started first coming out with another brand. 
And when I started using it, I said to him, hey, listen, I, I have a little problem with it because I, to get that wrap under that window to wrap up the wall all in a continuous piece, I have to make a slice in it. And I don't, I don't want to do that. Well, they said, well, it's okay because on the sides, we're going to be able to bring that piece over top of it. But I, I said, again, I still have a problem with it. There's a slice. And that's the most prone point where water penetration, when you do find stucco problems, mm-hmm. is at the corner of the windows. Well, that's right. where the slice yeah. is. Right. And it was literally, maybe I was at uh, Marvin, uh, maybe like six months later, and then you guys came out with the Tyvek Flex Wrap. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a great product. Oh, I do like it. Be, uh, before we get to Windows, let me, let me just have a couple other questions here. Um, when, when, when our listeners replace a cladding system on their home, say their home is 25 or years, or years old or more, uh, when building codes are obviously different, should they also up or date, update the underlayment between the plywood or the OSB and the cladding system? In other words, rip it down, put Tavik up? Mm-hmm. I think so. One, one it's, it's cheap insurance, but two, it's probably hard to take that cladding off without damaging the, Something, yeah. the mm-hmm. underlayment yeah. or, the, or the wrap. And if it's 25 years old, it may very well have not been built with any kind of, um, you know, maybe a black paper or something. Yeah. Um, you know, so there may very well not be something there. So certainly in that case, you should bring it up to bring it up to code, bring it up to standard. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, why not? You know, and even if it's, even if you could go about the job without having to replace it, I would, I would tear it off a few hundred bucks, you put up some new wrap and you kind of start the life cycle all over again. Right. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot thermal, of sense. Yeah. Thermal cycling and weatherization. Yeah. yeah that's the only, when you do your siding, think about if you're going to be doing it, say today, and you have this situation, I tell people, listen, when are you going to redo your siding next year again? Now it's going to be about 30 years from now. So at that 30 years, why not do it right from the first time? Absolutely. Everything's about Absolutely. price these days. You notice that, Alan? Everything's like, how cheap can you give me? So the contractors can make the most money. But where it's affecting is the homeowners aren't getting the best performance. And this is some of the complaints. Right. But I tell them, well, it all starts from the beginning. If your contractor doesn't educate you, that's your biggest problem. Because one thing I can tell you they're going to be doing is trying to get the sale out of you. They want the sale. They want the money. But they don't give you what you should need to get that best performance. And I see it all the time. Yeah, and I know we're talking wraps here, but you know that would just add to take, take it to even another level. It, um, for the homeowner, you think about your wall. You might have a two by four wall. So you have R13 insulation, but we know that about 25% of that wall, approximately, is wood, which is like an R2. So effectively, you don't have R13 wall. You have R8, something you know less than R13. By the time you do the math on the wood and the insulation, so you could even you know, you may even want to explore with your contractor putting an inch of foam, styrofoam out there, which is an R5 across the whole wall, right? So you've stopped that thermal bridging. So now you've taken an effective R8, R9 wall up to R13, R14. That's a huge lift from where you were. Um, and to your, you know, to your point, you, you get, there's only one time you're going to do that when you reside the house. Now you have window details to deal with and this kind of thing as well, perhaps. Um, but that's another consideration besides your weatherization is think about your thermal performance of the wall. Yeah, I was going to say the, uh, the, the packing up between the barge boards and the, uh, the, the windows are going to be a, a different issue that the, the contractor's got to work with. But here's another thing. I know we yeah. talked about some styrofoams. Uh, there, there's styrofoam that, that are out there, and I see them still they're not putting a, a home wrap over top of that. And people ask him, why is that wrong? I said, well, I'm looking at the, the styrofoam they put up. So it's just a styrofoam over the OSB? Yes, there's there's different brands that they can put up, but some of the brands I see that even they put up, there's big gaps in them. 
Right. And I said, what Tyvek's there is it's designed to get rid of the windshield factor. When you have an R13 that's in your walls, that's considered in dead air space. Tyvek allows you to get to that R13 because there's no air blowing in. Yeah. I think it was at one mile yeah. per hour that infiltrates your house, lowers your R value one. Is that correct? It's right. It doesn't take much to start dropping that R value. Yeah. And you're going to feel it. Hey, how about that? I learned another thing back 27 years ago. <laughs> Certification. Nice. <laughs> But, that, but when you explain to people about this, like, you know, you really do need this because that that siding I'm putting up doesn't stop the wind. It's that underlayment that we put up. So if you do want to put more insulation up, I'm all for it. But you still need to have that stop. I think most wind. people wouldn't understand it. Siding and, the, and uh, whether it's a vinyl siding, whatever it is, stucco, is essentially the cosmetic face of the house. Correct. And it doesn't really protect against much of anything, does it? No. No, it's the underlayments of protecting the house. People want to see the siding because that's what they're paying for. But if you're going to be complaining about the, the cold air drafting in in the wintertime, that's due to the, the improper installation or lack of installation of the underlayments. And if you don't have that, you're going to have a problem with you're it. You've got to redo problem. it again. Yeah. You're gonna... All right, let's that's get correct. into correct. one of your pet peeves here, bad window installation. So. You and, and Kevin should uh, chime in together and talk about what it takes to install a window properly. And I, I'm sure it's going to include Tyvek product, right? For me, it is. Okay. I, I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, I, with, for installation of windows, and this is for any window, is that if you don't properly flash a window, whether it's a leaky window, I've done it before, where I pulled old windows out and put them in because of certain situations, I've never had a problem with that window. Now, it's still leaking, but uh, since I did the Tyvek, flex wrap on the bottom, built the panes where it drips out, did the foam in the back so it seals, allows the water to drip out, put the straight on the sides, it, we never have problems again. But when I'm replacing windows, I'd say, listen, I'm going to use the, the nailing flange because I need to tie that window in with this flashing. And with the Tyvek, when you're doing siding and windows, yes, homeowners get a discount because it's easier to do. But I say the biggest thing for me is that how I'm tying that Tyvek along with the Tyvek flashing together and I'm marrying those two, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking at because if there's a problem with water penetrating in, you're calling me that there's going to be a problem. So my doing this, I'm eliminating that problem. I don't want the problems. And that's the way if you do it from the beginning, you're not going to have these issues. Alan, do you agree? Totally, totally agree. That's exactly right. We like to say the walls don't leak. It's those interfaces the discontinuities right the penetration that's what leaks that that gap and uh you know in the middle of a wall you're not gonna have a leak but uh yeah around windows absolutely critical and you've got to tie it all together uh, just like you said so and you got to tie it correctly because i did uh, you tie it correctly yeah i, I got to tell you this one of the uh, the neighbors in a development i was in give it an estimate a couple of weeks ago uh, i i asked to talk to him i was doing the, the houses three houses up these uh, homeowners got stuck a remediation the windows were bad. It was a bad vinyl window. They were leaking. I told them I get it. They left the old vinyl leaky window in, and then they installed the Tyvek on the house. Now they cut about three inches around the window, and then I was watching them apply Tyvek straight over top of the bottom or the bottom of the flange. Right. So they put it over top of the bottom of the flange, and then put it along mm. the sides and top. Alan knows what I'm talking That's about. Is that That's a problem? It's a problem. It's <laughs> a, a huge problem. So yeah. why don't you explain it'll, to our it'll listeners? Cause leaking. No, it doesn't cause it's the window's still leaking, but the, the protection's not there. Alan, why don't you explain why it's so bad? Because I told this to the homeowners and then they were panicking. The, the, the guys were done. They put veneer stone up, they did all this work, and I said, it's got to come down. That window is going to oh, still boy. leak. So, Alan, why don't you explain why it's so bad that what they did there? Yeah, so let me take you back. Just kind of fundamentally, there, there are two methods of window installation that kind of the industry is built on. 
One is the barrier method. You you put flashing around all four sides of the window, and you hope that water never gets behind that because it has no way out. Correct. That's, that's a method. You know, commercial construction is often like that. Some maybe some some residential, but the more modern method, and what you see commonly in residential, is this drainage method, <clears throat> and that is that the recognition that water may very well get between the window and the rough opening or into, you know, top of the window, whatever, side of the window. But there's a path for it to get out, and that is gravity will pull it down to the sill, and then you leave the sill, the bottom of the, um, the bottom flange of the window open so that water can drain and dry out of there. That's, the, that's, that's what our install guides and our technology are based on, and that's what we promote. And most major window companies, I'm not sure I know of any that, that don't promote that. Um, so the, that's the fundamental science of it. You, you flash the two sides and the head, properly shingle with the flap or the wrap over the top, and then you have it if and when, when, more than if, water gets behind there, it has a way to get out. So when you see that tape across the bottom flange, oh, brother, <laughs> it, um, that water has nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. I, when I walked by them, I said to the – because the one guy I was trying to talk to the work for him, I said, listen – uh, not that I know the homeowners, but you're doing it wrong. And he didn't understand me. I, I, we couldn't communicate together. And, uh, and I said to the homeowner there, I said, you have a big problem. I said, you don't want to trust me. Hey, I get it. But why don't you go on Tyvek's website? They're going to explain that what they're doing here is wrong. And the, the husband came out and I, I, I just said to him, I said, your problem is, is that the window's leaking. The contractor should have known. I mean, he had seven brand new trucks. It looked great. So you figure it's a company that's going to have all these trucks. Hey, they know what they're doing. They're all brand new. It looks great. But your workmanship has got a big issue because now this homeowner put over $100,000 out to re-correct uh, this issue. And even though it's siding or stucco, it's still going to leak. And I said, that leaking now uh, is being trapped in there because with the way I did your neighbor's windows is that that nailing flange you'll see on my windows is exposed. And underneath, I always tell them that crinkly part is the Tyvek Flex. And that's wrapped over top of the Tyvek. So if there is moisture that can get in there, which it can, it's got a way to get out. And it's going to drop over That's top right. of that Tyvek flex and under the flange. Well, what this person did, this contractor put it over the flange, and now it's going to keep all that moisture in. So it was bad before. Now it's even worse. It's going to be worse, yeah. Alan, what is the effective uh, life of uh, of the window wrap? Of the flashing? Of the flashing, yeah. Of the flat, yeah. You know, it's um, it's going to be a long time because uh, our flashings in particular are 100% butyl adhesive. So there's no organics in there to, to volatilize off. There's no solvents. There's nothing in there to flash off. Think about your driveway. You know, every year, every other year, you got to get it recoated because yep. those volatiles are, are, are you know, um, boiling off over time. Well, there's none of that in the butyl adhesive. So it's, it's an inert polymer, if you will. And so that's good. So that helps with the longevity. The top sheet is just there to kind of carry the butyl. Um, helps provide some UV exposure while it's, you know, while it's, well, before the siding goes up. But, uh, so it's, you know, as long as that butyl is stable, our, the butyls are rated to, um, I believe the industry standard is either 170 or 180 F, um, in terms of a kind of a constant, um, performance temperature. Of course, we don't see that constantly. You'll peak up there, but they're not going to live that, you know, they're not going to live at that temperature for, for weeks on end. So they're designed to perform at a very, very uh, high level. I'm going to ask Kevin a question now. When you when you go out to uh, install windows, or actually sell somebody on a, on a window installation job, right? Do you walk them through all this? Absolutely. Do they understand all this? At the end of the day, do they come away saying, wow, I didn't know that before? Well, one of the things I talk about is 
before I even give you the price, there's going to be a reason why some of my applications are going to be a bit more money. It's because if you look at, say, a Tyvek flash, which Alan, I know it does cost a good bit more than a normal product, the reason why I'm doing this is because I don't want problems. Other, other issues that happen with other products, I don't want them issues. And it was just recently, we, we were doing a job about a month and a half ago, and how you're going to love this one. The inspector, the building inspector, comes back to my job, and he started to take pictures of the windows. And I, I put Marvin windows in, and then I, I did this multi-level polymer because I put an insulated foam board siding uh, that was put up. And then I did a craftsman style around the window, and he's taking pictures of finished and during application. Right. So I said, Dad, the homeowner, um, yeah, the inspector's here, but I don't, I don't have an inspection. So I walked around, talked to the inspector, Greg, and I said, Greg, what are you doing? He said, I'm taking pictures. I said, what are you taking pictures of my job for? Because I want to show all the other contractors how to properly do a window. I said, that, that's <laughs> something different, given my experience out. But for my homeowners, what I do is um, I put in a, a, a polymer board that's one inch thick, the five-quarter board, because of the siding being so thick. And what I'm doing is I'm minimizing that J-channel, so everything's hidden. But if you take that polymer board off, I said, ah, you know, it could possibly water get behind there, but here's what it needs to do to get into the house. After the, the polymer board, I only do two inches around because I have a one by, which is three and a half inches. And that one inch and a half is the pocket where the siding is going into. So if water does get behind there, it's got to go through a drip cap, Tyvek tape, Tyvek, Tyvek straight rubber, a nailing flange, sealant, spray foam insulation that's airtight and watertight before it gets into the house. And I say to the homeowners, do you think it's going to get in? Well, why are you doing all this? I'm like, well, again, I don't want problems. Because I understand that if you do have a problem and you don't even know about it, it's a slow leak, you're going to have a massive problem. So all these steps that I pay for in my application that, yes, I do have to charge you for, you're not going to have a problem. I mean, I, I know it's a little bit of an overkill, yeah. but do you, have you ever seen that before? I, what I do is I put the polymer board, I drip cap all four sides. And the reason why I do the sides and the, uh, the bottom, even though water is not per se getting into that, is I use the same color as the siding because I like this dark siding. And I, when I look down the polymer board from the siding, I don't want to see the side white. I want to be able to see it in the same color. Right, right. So I put the drip cap up. Then I put Tyvek tape over that. And there's Tyvek under that. And then there's the rubber, the foam. It's Everything's in conjunction with it. But I've never had a problem. And that's the nice part. Because how many times have you ever heard windows getting done and there's problems with the water penetrating in? I've never had a problem with any of the windows I've ever done when I'm doing a siding job because... Going back, was there a time when you, you uh, we didn't use Tyvek? Not Tyvek, but the flashing, uh, when I started in the uh, the late 80s doing siding, there was no rubber flashing back then. No, but right. since you've been using it, you've never had a callback on it. Never had never a callback had, well, on it. Well, that says a lot in itself right there. Let me ask you both this question, two questions, actually. Can... Expensive windows, let's call them expensive windows, or high-quality high, high windows installed the right way save energy cost. Actually, three questions. Can the right windows installed the wrong way lead to problems? And then the third question, can inexpensive windows installed the right way stand the test of time? Yes, yes, yes. That's yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Alan? Right. <laughs> yeah. So you I can would put... Agree. We would you can put inexpensive yep. vinyl windows in, but if you do them with uh, with the the flashing and you do them all the right way, they're going to be they're going to hold up. With with respect to water intrusion, yeah, because those reasons, you know, if the joinery leaks that? and water gets mm -hmm. in there, 
you're going to have this drainage path out. We we talk about kind of three failure modes. Three, there's three ways it's going to fail. One is you just, and you allude to this, you know, it's just going to be uh, the product is going to fail. You're going to use a low quality product, flashing window, whatever, it fails. Um, then there's the, uh, that's we think that's about a third, 30% of the issues out there. 20% we would assign to detail. So you use a good product, installed pro- installed to the detail, but the detail was just wrong. We try to avoid that by testing everything. When you go to our website and see our 150 pages of flashing details for various types of installations, we've tested every all of that. In walls, we add pressure, water, we thermally cycle it, add more water, et cetera. We deconstruct it. We put red dye in the water. We deconstruct everything and see where that water got to. So we stand, so the details are solid. The products are, are high quality. Then, then the rest of the, you know, 50% of that remaining uh, pie is installation errors. So if you don't get the installation right, it doesn't matter how good your product is or, yeah, um, or how good. I tell that to 95% of the hammering, hammering away at that. He said, it's usually nine times out of 10. It's not the product. It's the, it's the, the installation. They don't do it correctly. Yeah. I'm telling you, Al, nine right. out of 10 jobs that I physically see every day are installed incorrectly. And when people yeah, think that, terrible. I say, well, listen, why don't we go to the jobs? If there's a job right down the road, let's go take a look at it. Call Tyvek. Maybe maybe I'm lying to you. Well, is it really that bad? I see the problems that are going to happen are, are going to be immense because of that improper installation. So what's the sense of doing a window job if you're going to do it wrong? And if you don't do these proper steps, I, I want to do my windows and I want to be done. I, I never want to be able to do any more windows in my house. I don't want to spend the money. So if I'm going to spend the money in the beginning the first time, why not do it right and use a better product so I, I never have to do it again? Yeah, the lessons learned. But it's not even the product, it's the installation. So you talked about uh, getting a better window. Well, a better window installed improperly, it's still going to leak. And they're still thinking, maybe, well, at that problem, it's uh, it's the product. It's not the product. Most of the time, this is where it's the like 99%. Yeah. It's the, the installation of okay. that product. If you do it wrong, you're going to have problems. Does DuPont have referred contractors? I think the answer is probably yes to that. Certified contractors? We do, yeah. Yeah, okay. certified uh, contractors, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, they're, you, you can get that training by reaching out to our local field specialist. If you go to our website, um, building.dupont.com and find the specialist locator. You can contact that person and set up some training for you or your crew or whomever. And, um, and then you'll get us, you'll be a certified. There's about, I don't know, four to eight hours of training, um, job site visits. You, know, you got to observe uh, two or three different installs to make sure you fully, you know, internalize it and understand it. And then, yeah, you'll be a certified uh, tieback installer. So there's another question consumers can ask, homeowners can ask. If if somebody's going to apply tieback to your house, is is he a certified tieback contractor? Correct. Right? If he's yeah, if they great, if he great. says no, if he says no, shake his hand and well, say our, goodbye. Or go one step further. The contractor maybe we got to make sure the subcontractors that they are using True. are doing it properly. All the way down the line. So yep. it's still up to the homeowners' responsibility when they find the contractor to make sure they're still doing it right. Because mm-hmm. I, I still do find that a lot in roofing and everything else. It's it's a mess out here. This this contracting field's a mess. And whether you're using you still have to, at the homeowner, do your due diligence and make sure the contractor's doing it right. And the only way to do it right is listen to the show. And we'll Give us that website one more time. The same website would be uh, would show you uh, the selection of products, right? It will. Absolutely. Yeah, it's building. Yeah, building.dupont.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a real education yeah. here in 30 minutes. Installation I mean. <laughs> 101. Perfect. Yeah. Alan, thanks for doing this. We appreciate you coming on. I, I love talking about Tyvek and uh, dealing with him for so long. And we do appreciate you spending time with us here on Your Valuable Home Podcast. That's this week's podcast. Your Valuable Home comes to you every week on the New Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, 
and all other popular podcast directories. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 